0: Hi, and thanks for hitting the snooze button. My name is Neil Headley. Time to talk trackers on this week's episode of the snooze button. We're at a stage now where I'm ready to start experimenting with some of the sleep tips and sleep hacks that I'm getting from other people. But the problem with all of that becomes, how do I know whether or not I'm actually tracking the data accurately? how do I know whether or not the things that I'm doing are having an impact if I don't know whether or not the tools I'm using to measure my sleep are actually giving me accurate data? So that's where our guest this week comes in handy, and there's some good info for you in here as well. Here's what I will tell you about this week's episode, however, is the guest is Dr. Michael Grandner. He is the director of the Sleep and Health Research Program at uh, University of Arizona, and also the director of the Behavioral Sleep medical. Medicine Clinic, Uh, we talk for 49 minutes in the full-length version of the episode that's available to our bedheads. That's the premium subscribers that pay a dollar a month for access to bonus content, full-length versions of the interviews. But what I always want to make sure that I do is that for the free folk, who are listening to the episodes, I want to make sure that there's a lot of gold in there for you as well. So the nine minutes that we have culled from the conversation with Michael yields a lot of useful information, including just how accurate is your tracker. Uh, we'll get into that with Michael in just a little bit, but I would strongly encourage you to go to the snoozebutton.com slash podcast and have a look at uh, becoming a bedhead uh, there's an extra 40 minutes of conversation that the bedheads got to hear that uh, in order to stay true to our promise of keeping these episodes around nine minutes or at least the interviews down to nine minutes uh, a lot of stuff was left on the cutting room floor but let me get straight to it here dr michael grander let me bring you up to speed on where I am and and then it'll put everything into context for you. And this will also be kind of an interesting uh, primer for people who are new to the podcast as well because those people are showing up all the time. So I had blamed – 30 years of what I labeled as insomnia um, on the fact that for 30 years I've been doing a morning radio show and my alarm goes off at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning and I have a terrible time falling asleep um, which also means that naps are out of the question because it takes me so long to fall asleep so I can't nap during the day and I've been functioning for the last 30 years on average of about 4 or 5 hours a night according to The various trackers that I had at my disposal. So I go to Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto. I go and I do a sleep test. They tell me I've got restless leg syndrome. Mm. So I start the medication for the restless leg syndrome. Instantly, my Fitbit Versa credits me for getting three additional hours of sleep a night. It's the three hours that it claimed I was, you know, tossing and turning. But even at the end of all of that, so uh, yay, three extra hours of sleep every night, but it's really lousy quality sleep. And so Mm. as I get to the stage of trying to solve this problem, um, I figured that one of the things I should do is evaluate whether or not I've got the right wearable technology and whether there's something better out there or where we are. So that's kind of an on your market set, go for you because I know this is a topic that's right in your wheelhouse.
1: There's this, a little bit of confusion about them where, where people tend to think that either they're crap and don't measure anything useful, or they go the other extreme and think, well, this is exactly what my sleep is. It told me I got 47 and a half minutes of REM sleep. And what does that mean? And you know, actually the truth is in the middle. You know, the, the the devices that are out there commercially, first of all, they're not all the same. Some may be better than others. Uh, and and that changes constantly. So I, I don't even want to say one better than another because who knows, next week there might be another new one. But the key is some of them have been rigorously tested and some of them haven't. And unfortunately, as a consumer, it's hard to know which is which. Um, but to be fair... Most of the ones that are using movement alone are probably going to give you between um, an 80 and 85% degree of accuracy on a minute-to-minute basis as to whether you're awake or asleep. If you're talking about a device that's in an app that's sitting on your bed that's measuring movement of your bed but it's not something you're wearing – if it's, you know, there's some that sort of go under your mattress, those can be pretty good. If it's just sitting on top of your pillow, those are probably not very good. Um, if it's got added heart rate data in there, it probably is, is slightly better. Um, but either way, it's all ballpark. It's all a ballpark also with the assumption that it, what it's looking at is relatively normal sleep. Now, if you have a sleep disorder like sleep apnea or restless legs or even insomnia, the ability of the trackers to accurately guess whether you're awake or asleep becomes a little weaker um, because it's, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're giving it information that it's not quite sure what to do with and so it, it hits the gray area where it becomes a little less accurate. But at least you know if you see information that might maybe doesn't make sense or, or seems a little extreme, just talk to the doctor about it and you'll see if you have a sleep disorder. If you do, well, that might explain the the information that that seems um, not what you expected, but it also might explain it. So
0: when I went for my sleep study, um, we found yeah. out that my and I don't I mean these numbers sound off the charts to me. I don't know if this is garden variety restless leg syndrome, uh, but there's the term periodic limb movements, right? Um, that too, I yeah. had
1: those are those are I actually had... different from restless legs. Restless legs. They often go together, but they're two different things. Restless legs, for people listening, this is when um, you have this uncomfortable sensation in your limbs, usually legs. It's worse at night, especially when you're trying to relax, especially when you're trying to lay down, uh, and you feel the need. You need to move them. It's not like an involuntary muscle movement. It's that it's this feeling that you need to move them. Some people talk about it like a creepy, crawly feeling or an uncomfortable feeling. And when you get up and move around, the feeling goes away until you sort of settle back in again. Periodic limb movements are different. These occur during sleep. Um, These are actually sort of involuntary twitches in your legs that occur in a rhythmic way um, across the night. You're not conscious when they happen. They don't feel uncomfortable. They just twitch. and they often do go together. They both um, likely involve similar neuromuscular pathways, uh, but they are actually two different things.
0: I was having 82 of those periodic limb wow. movements per per hour. Wow, um, that's, a lot. that's a lot. That's high. Now that I'm now that I'm on this medication, my wife says it's like sleeping with a different person. I don't know that that's a review I was looking to get. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so, I mean, so for me, and you talk about, you know, the ballpark estimate. For me, that first two or three hours when my, um, my restless legs and my periodic limb movements are at their worst, that's just time that Fitbit says – I don't know what's going on right now, screw it. I'm gonna write this down as awake. Um and so I would wake up in the morning and I would see, oh my gosh, I got two hours and forty minutes of sleep last night. I'm gonna be in a right. coma by lunchtime. Um, right. but it's just that yeah, it was I mean, getting what, what data from my body that it didn't know what to do with
1: Fed information that um, that it wasn't really set up for. And so it got it was it was fed movement where there shouldn't really be movement in sleep. So that, that's why these things are not quite as accurate for people who have sleep disorders. Um, because when you think about it, you know, it's pretty good at telling wake versus sleep based on movement and also based on heart rate. But if you have a situation where the movement and, and maybe also the heart rate information that it's getting is systematically different from normal, um it's going to be systematically less accurate for that same reason because it's it's you're feeding it information that is confusing and so you're gonna get back um a result that is that that's confused. That's all. Um for most people with relatively typical sleep it, it should actually look generally right with with a couple of caveats. Number one, people will notice much more time awake during the night then they remember that's totally normal um a totally healthy 25 year old with no medical history in a sleep lab will wake up an average of 10 to 20 times a night they just won't remember they're very short they're very brief usually just a few seconds and then you go back down that's totally fine that you wake up during the night is not the problem and that number of awakenings goes up as we get older but we still should only really remember one to three awakenings per night. Well, maybe a little more than that if if we're older. But that should be about normal. Um, you shouldn't remember these 20 awakenings you have during the night. But if you look at your tracing, you're probably going to see them. If the device is accurate, it'll show them. If you don't see any of those little awakenings, it means there's a problem with the device or it's just not telling you because it should be there. Um, but you don't freak out about it. That's normal. Um, the other important thing is that a tracker will tell you you got less sleep probably than you remember. Um, in that case, it's it's partially because it's picking up all those little awakenings that you don't that you didn't experience. Um, but that's a, it's totally normal for there to be a difference between 30 and 60 minutes between how much sleep you feel like you got and how much sleep the tracker says you got, and that's actually not anything I would worry about as a sleep clinician. Which is why in research, when we do research on sleep, we have people do both. We track their sleep by their experience, but also by the tracker um, or or some other device. And we see it as two different sources of information that are measuring two different experiences that are related to each other, but they're not supposed to be the same thing. Um, And that's just because sleep is a complicated process. And and the fact that they don't agree actually isn't really that much of a problem. Um, They should be close, though.
0: I appreciate the advice. I appreciate the input. Hopefully I can pick your brain once in a while and throw some stuff at you to see if it sticks. You know where to find me. Dr. Michael Grandner from the University of Arizona, the director of the Sleep and Health Research Program, also the director of the Behavioral Sleep Medicine Clinic. I was kind of, you know, nudging Michael a little bit. Uh, He's one of those people who has about 37 or 40 titles uh, after his name. Uh, His business card actually folds out into several different layers because there are so many initials and things after Michael Grandner. Um, But he's someone that you're going to hear from again on the Snooze Button podcast and uh, has been a huge huge help in getting me to the next stage of this thing again an extra 40 minutes of content for our bedhead premium subscribers for details on that go to the snoozebutton.com slash podcast till next monday with a brand new episode my name's neil thanks for hitting
1: the snooze button see you next time